right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome to episode two of the Just Basketball Show. I'm Chris Manning. That over there is Brennan Clean. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Give us five stars. We're already getting some great reviews, so keep those up. Also, r- subscribe and hit that notification bell on the Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel. Please do there. And then look, find us on TikTok, find us on Instagram, find us on Twitter. Find us on all the the social media platforms. Brendan, we have a big jam-packed episode today. The big topic we're going to hit on today is the state of the top of the Eastern Conference, the main contenders of the East, and maybe if there's anyone outside of the top five teams that could sneak in and make a push and make some noise to hop into that upper echelon group. But we have two big NBA games and some WNBA news to hit on from the weekend first. Let's start in chronological order. Let's go to Sixers Nuggets. Philly comes back in a big way in this game. They get up to second in the East. They've now won seven in a row, 20-24. The Nuggets really kind of lost control of this game in the last two minutes of the third quarter. They had a big lead there. They kind of fell apart. I don't know, Brendan, if this game tells me anything I didn't know about Denver, but it's a bad loss. I think the story coming out of this game is that Philly is just absolutely humming right now. We'll talk about them more later, obviously, but this is a really good team, and this was a really good win for them on the home court. And look, I mean, it just Joel Embiid is, is an ultimate showman. He absolutely is. Uh, I loved this game. This game might have been the most fun game of the NBA season, in my opinion. Um, so far, you know, we're really just in that stretch of the season, I feel like, where all of the matchups feel huge. We got Grizzlies Warriors last week. This game, Lakers Celtics we'll talk about. Did you like NBA Rivalry Week? I mean, I, it was one of these things they announced and I kind of rolled my eyes and like forgot about a little bit. And now I'm, I really enjoyed it. I liked these games. I don't know if they were all actual rivalries, but I enjoyed watching it nevertheless. I, I mean, I think they were good games. I think the marketing is working on you is is where I would go with that. Like Raptors Warriors being a rivalry game, quote unquote, was like, a, like why, why, what are we doing here? It's a little <laughs> I didn't forced love sometimes. every single game, but I'm just yeah. saying the ones that were marquee matchups. Um, I think, yeah, maybe it did work, but we got some really competitive basketball games out of it. And maybe the, maybe the teams cared. I know for a fact, the team on one side of this, at least cared uh, in Sixers nuggets, Joel Embiid, um, both he and Jokic, I, I believe were questionable heading into this game, which was kind of hilarious to me because they were always both going to play. Uh, Embiid was um, fantastic. I mean, there's there's just like, whether it was because it was the matchup or it's just Joel Embiid being Joel Embiid, I thought he was amazing. 47 points, 18 rebounds, five assists. He adjusted out to being the low man and the help man defensively in the second half, which was a big turning point in this game. Doc Rivers put PJ Tucker onto Nicole Jokic. Jokic finishes with seven turnovers, which is uncharacteristic for him. Obviously, Embiid had six as well, but uh, Jokic being the playmaker, a little more surprising and the Sixers just looked well-rounded, man. They, they scored 70, uh, 68 points in the second half. And it, it feels like they're a juggernaut with this win streak and kind of coming out of the fray with some injuries early in the season from Maxi and beat and Harden and they're healthy. They're rolling. Uh, I really love this game. I really love their performance. And I honestly do feel a lot better uh, about them coming out of this week. They also beat the nets earlier in the week. I, I really like where the Sixers team is right now. 
Yeah, two other things I, I, that kind of popped to me from this game. Number one, uh, this the, the P.J. Tucker defending Jokic in the post thing is a throwback of sorts to what Golden State did against Jokic last year. That's Draymond Green in that series, obviously. And look, the, there's not a ton of guys in the league that fit yeah. this like undersized four or five that can then you know back Jokic in the post. Not every team has this lever to pull, you know, but yeah, the teams it's like, that okay, do. so who has a, uh, who has Embiid and Tucker, who has Looney and Draymond? All right. Let, okay. All those yeah. teams can beat the Nuggets. Great. So then we're down to three teams. Like, yeah, it's right. It's yeah. Silly. It, it's not, it's not a big list, but it's interesting that this is something it, that clearly feels like something that was in the scouting report and they wanted to turn to at, at a certain point and let, let him be kind of play help. Uh, I'm also, I'm also the, the Nuggets bench kind of fascinates me i thought like the jeff green minutes were really not good for them i know he's you know two or three from the field but like Vlako kankar maybe should just like be getting those minutes i, I kind of wonder like there's been there's some bones highland like are they gauging the trademark on bones highland to go get something else yeah. right now what did you like think noise of that? This that week? really surprised me i know his defense is a real problem he gave up multiple open threes in that crunch time in the fourth quarter before uh-huh. he checked out he was he was lost but that really surprised me because he seems like one of their blue chip guys and maybe it really is just that they're all in this year. Yeah, but that feels almost like too like rushing the process on on Bones a little bit. And like I, I would I Agreed. understand like if I, I would like want to keep Bruce Brown up on them at all costs. That has been a perfect player for Jokic, perfect player for that environment. And like I could understand if you want another upgrade like and trying to find like a, a real thing. If you don't trust Christian Braun, if you know, if you are going to ride this Jeff green thing and, and not like maybe turn a canker just cause he's a little bit younger. Like you, if you feel like your depth isn't all the way there, I get that. And maybe trying to find another wing is a good thing. They, this is the team that I think should try to find some depth and find another trade. Like they have a window here, but the, the bone stuff, I was like, huh, that's, that's a little bit, that yeah. that's a little bit weird. I, I, I would, by the way, I'd be absolutely down for this in the finals. Like I have a list of final series yeah. that I would be most used for. I think this is in my top three or four. They match up in a really interesting way. Obviously it helps when the best players play the same position. I like that. It sounds so obvious, but we've had some of these duels in the past where it's like Steph and LeBron. Well, okay, but they never, well, unless LeBron's switching Steph out to try to guard him, they never actually like do stuff against each other. And like, look, maybe I'm basic. Maybe that's silly, but I, I like that aspect of it. I think the fact that the Sixers are one of these teams that can defend the, uh, the the Nuggets in this particular way is interesting. I think the fact that they both are a little smaller next to their centers with Gordon and Harris, and and we'll talk about the Sixers later and their versatility, it all adds up to a pretty fun matchup. I would be super down. Um, on the showman side, because you said it, I feel like you were alluding to my tweet, so I'll, I'll take my opportunity to, to, yes, yes, <laughs> to yes. continue my Twitter conversation on the show. I said I feel like Embiid and Steph are the two best showmen in the NBA, and there's not really a close third. A lot of people got at me about Ja and Luka. Those are the two that people came at me with. Um, I agree on Ja. I kind of think we we need a, a few more years for him to be on, on any sort of these lists, personally. Um, and Luka, I don't think... When I say showman, I mean you're getting the crowd involved. You're, you're treating it like pro wrestling, which no one does more than Embiid literally doing celebrations from uh, Triple H and getting fined for it and everything else. Stefan Embiid, I, I just, I wasn't really budging. No one gave me a great argument for other players who should be up there in terms of getting everybody in the building, if, if it's at home, fully involved on their side, and if it's on the road, fully wanting to punch them in the face. That is Stefan and, and Joe, and I don't really know if there's anybody else. I, I would throw Draymond in that. <laughs> okay, but what's he really doing to get, he just 
dirty or angry or like he's not pissing people he's off a, he's by a, like no he's just like 40. A, no but he's like a heel like he's absolutely just like a heel and like there is there's yeah. always a lot of heat with draymond so i'm i almost have to put him in there as well in kind of a in kind of a weird way uh we should move on to the other big game from saturday to brendan and that's lakers yeah. celtics so speaking of performance yeah lebron <laughs> got fouled at the end of this game right like he absolutely got claw he got he got fouled like twice once on the build-up and then once at the rim by tatum and obviously was despondent i showed my wife the clip of of lebron and she was like is he really doing like is he really like is it is it is he like really this like sad and like just what is he doing here like it was very dramatic it upstages the meme of the like lebron pant me pantheon of memes entrance which was him uh smiling after pat bev's like put back dunk like there was this whole sequence where pat bev gets this dunk and then lebron they they have this picture of lebron just like smiling like you can't believe he understands what's happened like it was like it was really giving the I can't believe this is my life mean like where he's like in the pool and like look like it's the yes, it's that, yes, it yes. was radiating that energy <laughs> of LeBron, which nothing just will surpass that the J.R. Smith no. at the end of game one in 2018 and that I can't believe this is my life. There's you're never getting a better LeBron meme than that. But these two were close. I, I will agree. Yes. So I look I just look at this end of this game and I like. They should feel pretty mad about like that non-call. I understand like they're not going to always get yeah. calls at the end of the games that like and you're going to allow some more physicality. That's fine. That is good. That was like just a blatant foul in a game that if yeah. he gets the line and makes one of the three throws out of two, they win that game and instead they lose in overtime and, and they played really well against Boston who didn't have Marcus Smart, but the Lakers played awesome in this game. You know, LeBron and AD were kind of like the big thrust of why, but you got really good minute, minutes out of Pat Beverly. You know, Russell did... Did some stuff in overtime, at least was kind of bad. Otherwise, um, you know, you got six of eight from the field from Lonnie Walker. Like you got it. You got some stuff. But LeBron was great. And then you don't get that call at the end of the game. He had a 41, nine and eight game. Six to 12 from He's, three, 15 to 30 from the field. And he, that one call is like kind of feels like he gets cheated out of a win in some ways to me. And I think that's why he was so mad, right? I mean, it's a huge win. And and even though they've been playing better, they're still 23 and 27 after this game. He knows he knows both what their possibilities are as a team as they get healthy, if they can stay healthy. And I think this team's better than last year's. But he also knows the work ahead. And so I don't think this was just like mad at the refs. This was like a, a golden opportunity that slipped away to steal one on the road. Game you shouldn't have won. And you should have won it <laughs> at that point in time. Um, I think. You skipped over the best thing that happened in this game, which was the way overtime started, which was a technical foul against Patrick Beverly. Uh, so we didn't mention something about the Sixers game because this was an entire Saturday of memes in the NBA. The Sixers tried to play defense with four players on the court. Amazing. And James Harden Amazing. was sitting on the bench. Okay, so that was one thing. Then we get at the beginning of overtime in this game, another joke, which I feel like Patrick Beverly must have just seen that and wanted to one-up it, or he's just insane. I think both could be true. I, I think he's just insane. I think he's, I think he's yeah. just insane. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. We should establish that. He brings the, a camera from a courtside photographer to the referee to show a snapshot of Jason Tatum smacking LeBron James in his arm at the moment that the foul was not called. Um, 
just gold, just pure gold. I really dislike Patrick Beverly in terms of what he does uh, to other people in the way that he gets people very close to being hurt a lot of the time. But even I could not uh, say much of anything but just humongous laughter. If he did this in the Comedy Cellar in New York City, I think he would be brought back the next weekend. This was just a bit that I want him to bring back. I want him to go get cameras all the time now, and the ref should have to adjust to him. I do also empathize with uh, whatever person's camera that was. I can't, I'm not the. I'm not. Like, I saw someone tweet this, and it's all I've been thinking about is the panic and the anxiety in the person who Pat Bev took their camera. Like Pat, like it's yeah. like if you, like if there's any player, I would be most scared that like my camera's not coming back, and I'm Just gonna have to like toward you. Yeah, yeah. In the and, middle like, of I'm, a game I, like that. Yeah, like I, you know. You you like you don't want to have to be like hey like Lakers PR uh like can I get my can I get like or like a, like an immediate amount of money so I can go get a new camera so I can like do my job and like also like can I at least get the sim the memory card out of that so I can like upload whatever photos I've taken the panic was was real. For I like me. the idea of it being like an intern who was just there for the first time or like one of like the like somebody from UCLA in the journalism program who was like at one of his first Lakers games just yeah. like really dipping his toes in the ability like I'm getting to cover an NBA game like back to the LeBron James meme of this can't believe this is my life and then it's just Patrick Beverly just like charging toward you after a a bad uh moment in a game and you just have zero idea what's going yeah. on um can we get to some Celtic stuff real quick before we move on to yeah. Candace Parker joining the Las Vegas Aces, which deserves uh, some time in and of itself. So um, I also watched them play the Knicks earlier in the week, which again, maybe same, a rivalry, same. maybe not a rivalry. Tatum's closing in these two games. And I don't want to make a whole thing out of it in MVP or we're not doing a big conversation, but just as a trend worth watching, he was one of seven from the field in the fourth quarter in this Celtics uh, in this Lakers game. He was 0 of 5 in overtime against New York earlier in the week. He was pretty good in the fourth quarter of the Knicks game. Um, so take that or leave it. But as a clutch player, I I still feel like we'll get to the Celtics in a minute and maybe we can expand on this, but I need to see more from Jason Tatum in terms of taking the game in his hands and scoring or creating for teammates when the game is on the line. You know, not just because I want him to do it for my sake, but like that was a big problem in the finals last year. Right. And Jason Tatum has more turnovers and assists in the clutch so far this year, last five minutes, five, five points or less. Um, Jalen Brown has been the guy closing a lot of these games. And I'm not saying that can't be the case, but both of them probably need to be great in those moments for them to win four playoff series and win a championship. I think that's right. I think the other thing I would add is that Jalen Brown is having like an absurd season in the middle of the floor on mid-range shots. He is having a year where I, and a year where he's at 33% from three. He's down from 36% last year, 25% on corner threes, 34% on non-corner yeah. threes. That's not good. Brendan, he's no. at 53% on mid-range shots right now. 53%. Yeah. He's and, he, and long uh, minutes, excuse like, me, 49%, 49% overall on, on mid-rangers. He's absolutely killing it in that spot on the floor, killing it. Yeah. One of the things for me this season has, uh, in terms of that, like just I wasn't expecting from somebody who I'm familiar with. Like there's obviously the, the players who break out, Tyrese Halliburton, whatever, who were all like, you know, I, I love watching this guy and I, I didn't used to. 
Jalen Brown, like every time I turn on the Celtics more and more as the years go by, I just love watching this dude play. Like the level of force that he plays with combined with the skill, like I kind of go a little bit crazy for like two guards, like athletic two guards who add skill to their game. Like Dwayne Wade was my favorite player growing up. I love this type of player. Um, but man, has he gotten so good. And I trust the other stuff to kind of come around. Like he's not going to miss corner threes all season. Right. So him adding those other elements, he's filthy, but again, you know, they both need to be awesome for them to, to, to get where they want to go. We have, I have more stuff on the Celtics later, but I just wanted to point that out in the clutch stuff. They win the game. Jalen Brown gets a foul call, which made the Lakers even more angry. Uh, it all worked out in this one. Didn't work out against the next nets, uh, or Knicks. I mean, we got to see, but, uh, just a trend to watch for sure. Yeah, we'll come back to the Celtics in our Big East conversation, but let's move on to Candace Parker and the Las Vegas Aces. She is going to play with Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, coached by Becky Hammond. This obviously comes after the Dierica Hamby trade to the Sparks, and obviously we don't know what's going on uh, with with what Dierica Hamby has alleged, and like that I think hangs over this a little bit as well. Uh, Asia Wilson did have a funny tweet about this saying that her phone has never blown up more <laughs> than when her team got Candace Parker. Look, I, Brennan, this is, this is super team stuff. This is yeah. Asia Wilson, maybe the best player in the WNBA right now, getting one of the best players to ever do it, who is still very, very good, just won a title with Chicago. Kelsey Plum had an outrageous season last year. Chelsea Gray is awesome. Jackie Young is awesome. Like they have it. This is a really, really good team. With with a lot of pressure on them now, obviously, I am curious to see just kind of how they kind of will like this will be one of those things where I feel like we'll see like tinkering as the season goes on and what works, how how these lineups pair together, what chemistry develops. But this is yeah. like such a fun. Th- this is a this is a super team arrival situation for Candace Parker and going to Las Vegas. Yeah, people feel I, I feel like the conversation about her age has kind of gotten out of hand just because she's talked about wanting to maintain her body and she's already done so much uh, post career types of setup for herself in terms of the sponsorship stuff she does with a whole bunch of companies. And then obviously working with Turner on Tuesday nights with that crew. She's only 36 years old. So this is not like, you know, uh, where's Tom Brady going? Right. That's not what this is. She's a very, very capable player. And this situation will make it even easier for her, I think, than it was in Chicago. She basically can be like a three and D connector center, you know, like I just think the fit's going to be so good with Asia in a help situation as a, as a rim protector. I mean, she literally has been a defensive player of the year candidate for two years running. She won it last year and she's getting Candace Parker, who is one of the better defenders in the league on top of what they already had. You said they have, they have pressure, way less than they've had in recent years. I mean, they finally won one, you know, they had so much pressure going into the past few years. I feel like it'll be a little bit of relief. Um, I want to get to the historical side of this super team championship. What it means for Candace Parker. I have one question for you as we get through yeah. this news side of it. Cause I don't want to ignore the Hamby stuff. Um, it is hard because we don't know the details of Hamby's allegation in real specifics and the investigations are still going on. She basically made it seem like the team used her pregnancy against her and Mm -hmm. had maybe made some promises that she was going to be able to stay on the team. Despite the pregnancy, she had said she would plan to return this season after she gave birth. Maybe the team didn't believe she could or that it would be too late. We don't know. 
But I'm just very confused because then you see, like you said, the Asia Wilson social media stuff. And like, I'm not telling people how to feel, but it makes it harder for me to know what to make of all of it when the players don't seem to have this critical, somber tone. And that's what's hard for me to 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 sift through what's going on here to the where the players are celebrating this move, whereas De'Erica Hamby's sitting here feeling like she got wronged completely. Yeah, and look, I, I, there's questions I would have about how this sort of comes together. Like, this is one of those moves that I would want to to see how with the the TikTok of what happens, right? Like, did Asia Wilson behind the scenes be like, hey, like I would really like to play with Candace Parker? Is Candace Parker like? reaching out and kind of pushing for this herself is this you know was becky what is becky hammond's involvement in this right like what what is the movement that leads to this that like and that what what this happens like if this was like we we get these stories for in sports with everyone we've got them with brady you know we got them with lebron like you've gotten these things about how this happens and sometimes you get them after the fact in books and things but this is one of those ones where right now I would like to see it, especially because of the instagram post candace parker had where it was like like her family was very much at the center of this and that was yeah. like such and a she weird announced ju- it, right? Which is kind yeah. of noteworthy too. That doesn't always happen. No, and but it was like a very I don't want to say weird, but just like it was a juxtaposition to what yeah. the Dear Gambi thing is. It's just like totally those things are very different. I also just can't blame them for being like for players being excited about this. Like Kelsey Plum, no. like had like you can like I'm sorry, like it, like they're gonna play with Candace Parker, and that's gonna be awesome, and this team is gonna be awesome. This is now a this is now like the team when they come to your city if you're lucky enough to have a W team in your, in your city, you get to go, like you get to go see, you get to go see Candace Parker and Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray and Jackie Young and Becky Hammond coaches team. This is like must see basketball now for the whole entire summer with this group. Yeah, it could be, it could very well be the case too, right? That the players, maybe they don't really know what happened with Hamby. Like that'll all be sorted out in time, but you're absolutely right. I think the super team side of this, you know, we talked about the Liberty last week with Brianna Stewart potentially going there. I feel like that, this maybe is more likely because of that, because we know Stewie was keeping an eye on Courtney Vandersloot, who was on the sky, which was the team Candace Parker now just left. So does Vandersloot maybe want to leave now that her team's getting depleted? Maybe she goes to the Liberty, which maybe then makes Stewie. It's a domino effect that I think we will probably see if I had to put money on it now, and that would create two bonafide super teams in this league. Uh, very well could be what the finals matchup is. One last thing on this. Candace Parker could become the eighth player in WNBA history to win three plus championships. And it would be on three different teams between the spark sky and aces. If she were to get it done this year, um, that's never happened in the history of the league. There's only again, eight players who have ever won three, all of the rest, I think did it on all the same team. <laughs> so we've had a lot of dynasties in the W this would be pretty unprecedented. Very, very cool. Um, we have one more bit of news to get to though, which is back in the NBA side, miles Turner, renegotiating his 2022-2023 contract for, I believe, like 17-plus million added to what he's going to make this season, which it sounds pretty nice considering there's only a few months left. Those paychecks are going to hit pretty nicely for Miles. And then uh, two more years after this. The part that 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 that, that I thought about when I saw this mo- this news come down, Chris, is Turner can still be traded. And so I wonder what you think this says about his future with this team because it still could go in either direction he just now is under control of the team he's on for longer that doesn't mean it will be the Pacers what do you think I don't see why they would look to move him in the immediate future 
I think of Miles Turner now as like someone who has looked really great in this post bonus world. This clearly, I think, kills any of the rust for Buddy and Miles stuff. Like, that is dead. That was probably already dead, but this is now, like, putting that coffin fully six feet under the ground and putting all the dirt on top, right? Yeah, I just no, like no this cap space move. for the Lakers if, if they do that, right? Right. And, like, it seems like their Kyrie plan, like, might be kind of done anyway. But what I really like about this is I feel like the Pacers are actually building something here. I feel like they are laying the foundation for what is to come. This is not a team that is good right now. This is not a team that has figured itself out fully right now. This is like at best a playing team this year, but they have Tyrese Halliburton who should be an all-star provided he's healthy. They have Miles Turner who's having an awesome season and they have Benedict Mantherian who has like been an awesome, awesome rookie and is one of the most fun players like just randomly catch if you're flipping around the league and you see him just doing crazy Benedict Mantherian stuff. This is not a team that has to do the full teardown thing. And like, that's not something this franchise has ever really wanted to do. But Turner is like f- fully kind of pushing in that direction. And I don't really hate it. Maybe Turner is having like a great year as far as he's 39.1% on threes. He, he and Halliburton together on the floor, plus 4.7 per 100 possessions. That trio, Mentherin, Heald, and Turner are plus 16.7 per 100. That's yeah. awesome. This team is really, really good with those three guys on the floor. They have a lot of other holes to figure out. But I like this as a basis. And Turner gives you rim protection. He gives you shooting. He's not one of the elite centers in the league in terms of getting up there with, uh, you know, Embiid or Jokic. Like, he is more in, like, the Jared Allen class of a guy that I'm happy to pay a good amount of money to. And, yes, he's not perfect. He's not going to be an All-NBA, but, like, maybe in, a, in the right year he could be an All-Star, things like that. I like this deal in that sense. Sure. Uh, and, and notably, Tony East, who does a really good job covering the Pacers at Lockdown Pacers, his number for next year is now less than what his cap hold is going to be. So the Pacers now create a little more cap space in the summer. I don't know what they do with that. This obviously is not historically a free agent destination team, but they have a little <laughs> bit of money now. And you have Halliburton, trades. you have Turner, you, you could do some trades. You have some flexibility there. And I like a lot of the pieces here. This is a team that I think this just makes sense. Like if you either you go all the way the other way and tank this out, or you try to like keep Turner, who's at a rough age, you could trade him next year. If you decide you need to pivot again next year, you can still flip him, and you will have value to, I think, a lot of other teams. But I like this move for them, even if they want to just keep him and, and run him forward with basketball, in a basketball sense. Yeah, it's a win-win on both sides. I think it made complete sense. They tried to sign DeAndre Ayton with their cap space, right? Last summer, they, have, they give him the, uh, the offer sheet. He doesn't end up staying because the Suns match it. This is as good of a use of their in season this year cap space which they have a ton of as anything right that's what allowed them to renegotiate and extend because they had cap space they can give him money that right now would have just sat dead and then the next two years he's making less than 20 million so this wasn't a huge huge raise going forward like most extensions are where they escalate this is actually here's a big chunk of money now and then you'll be under our control maybe it's maybe it is a little easier to trade you if we end up doing that maybe you just get to be here for longer like you said the the numbers are looking good benedict matherin is is sick tyrese halliburton's gonna be uh, an all-star i think you're right i mean it's a good core they need some wings but they're gonna have a, a probably a decent pick this year too in the middle of the first round like they usually do they tend to be a decent drafting team and we'll see they what the they Cavs, do. They, and, and they have the Cavs pick as well, which they got yep. for trading Karis LeVert, which good job Indiana Pacers getting two seconds yeah. and a first for Karis LeVert. That's great work. Yeah, they're flexible, right? And and like we said with the cap space this summer, they could go sign another guy to a, an offer sheet like they did with Aiton or 
Uh, they could take on a bigger chunk of salary. I think there's been some rumors that they like John Collins. Maybe they they pursue that. I think he's a really good fit with Miles Turner. They they maintain flexibility and they're just giving him again money that was going to dry up otherwise. It's some goodwill for a player who's been on the trade market for a long time. I, I think this this had been talked about them getting it done in the way that they did it at a time where now he probably doesn't have to worry about being traded the next couple of weeks. I think it, it, it's it's a great way to to do business in the NBA where everybody's happy. Uh, you want to move on to the, the top of the East? Yeah, so our big topic of the day is the East contenders. Brendan, I want to just ask you this first before we get into Boston and Milwaukee and Cleveland and all these teams. The East is better than the West, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. We did this as a, as a practice show when we were getting ready to launch just basketball earlier in the off season where we were talking about both conferences and the idea really being what are the final four of the conference going to be, right? That's, that's kind of what we're going to try to sift through today. It's a little bit easier to do now that we have some structure in the standings than it was before the whole season. The final four of the conference is just who makes the second round, right? So it's not who wins the conference. It's not who makes the conference finals, because a lot of things can decide that. But I think who makes the second round is a pretty good way to measure which teams might stack up best head-to-head, how each team looks right now. We can even project a little bit based on trades. But just top to bottom, yeah, the East is... I mean, the fact that we even have as many teams to talk about as we do, uh, the fact that we're choosing to do the East first, I think says it all. This is a stacked conference. There's at least five teams who have a credible... Uh, they, they will feel like they can make the second round, and obviously not all of them will. So let's start with Boston. 36 and 15, they're first in the East. They have the best point differential in the East. Third in offense, fifth in defense, first in net rating. Brennan, of these teams, of the, the five teams we're really focusing on today, I this is the team I have the least to say about because I do not feel like they have any major questions, which does feel kind of crazy considering they had the Ime Udoka stuff before the season starts and like and it's the cloud that that kind of put over the franchise in some ways that seems to have really dissipated Joe Missoula has done like seemingly a very very good job in Boston you have Tatum you have Brown like you've gotten uh you've gotten Time Lord back you have you have Horford like you know you have like some guys on the fringe of your bench you can go to and if you need to and in fat and Peyton Pritchard and Sam Hauser and and whatever there's probably a trade to be made to get another wing. Maybe there's like a, a kind of middle of the road kind of wing depth guy I could go find. But I don't have really many questions about what this team is going to be. This would be the team. And if they like didn't make it to the second round, I would be the most surprised if that didn't happen at this rate. Yeah. Do you think they have an easier path to the conference finals this year? I mean, we just said the East was better, but I think the Celtics are considerably better than they were last season, mostly because Tatum and Brown have taken yet another step, which we say almost every season, yet they they definitely have, as we talked about with that game. And I don't know if there's anyone in their class right now, whereas last year, the, the top of the standings felt a little more even. They took It took them two seven-game series to get to the conference final, uh, to get to the finals last season. They had in the second and third rounds Pretty, I mean, could have gone either way with Milwaukee and and Miami. I think that they might actually be enough of a cut above the rest of this conference that I could see them getting to the finals with less of a fight, even than last season. If if let's say round one they get like Atlanta or Indiana or the Wizards, they're smoking either one, any of those teams. Like like, did you say the Wizards? Please don't do that. 
The Wizards are 10th. They're in the play-in, okay? They're ahead of the Bulls. They're ahead of the Raptors. The fight in Washington Wizards, Brendan, going to just perpetually be a 10 seed and make the play-in, hang some banners for that, pay Kyle Kuzma lots of money. Good for you, Washington. Boston, it's the, here's, the, here's where, it, where it gets interesting with Boston if you're talking about easier pass, is that the second round could just be like an absolute like doozy depending on who is 4 and 5 and who gets out of 4 and 5. If the season ended today, that would be Brooklyn and Cleveland. I'm not, I don't know if I'm not going to necessarily pick Boston, like just based on how good Kevin Durant is, if he's healthy, if that's like a, like going to be a, not a seven game series. I mean, do you remember last year? Yeah, but like, I know it's different, but we see, yeah. we've seen this matchup at the very least. I'm not saying it'll be as I'm, ugly yeah. as it was last year, but they beat him handily. Has enough yeah, changed for that to outcome to be considerably different? No, not necessarily, but like, I just, Nick Claxton's like, I'm gonna. I can't believe Nick Claxton's the first place to go. That's actually sicko stuff for me. But like Kevin Durant is just so good that I'm just like I don't know if you're wiping yeah. him off the floor in four or five. Um, yeah. I mean, you can. I mean, if they end up with like the Bucks in round two, like like I don't like if Middleton like that series was tough last year. Middleton wasn't like around. So if Middleton's around yeah. this year, which is like TBD, what's going on there? But you know, like that. Like I think they could be in for some tough stuff. It's also possible that you're right and they kind of cruise on. Do you have Do you have like any concerns? with them i i just don't i just kind of assume they're going to be there when, <laughs> when everything's on the line yeah a couple things um one is like i said when we were talking about the lakers game uh brown and tatum are both not shooting awesome right now i mean you talked about it with brown in, in the mid-range but from deep they're both cold if that starts to last longer and longer they need to turn it around at some point i'm not hugely worried that stuff tends to regress i think robert williams health is always a question mark I would have said Al Horford coming into the season. Can he do it again? But the answer is yes. The dude seems to be getting better uh, with age somehow. It looked like his career was over in Philadelphia. Here he is uh, playing like his Atlanta peak self again. So I'm not really worried about that. But I think Williams gives them a different dimension. They can go with him and Horford. They can have some bench units where they have some genuine size. They don't have to play Luke Cornett in the playoffs, for instance. And then I think they could potentially, they have a couple trade exceptions, I don't think they have to do anything, but we knew what they wanted to do in the offseason with the Gallinari signing, and I could see them still wanting another forward slash wing. Right now, they're playing Sam Hauser. They don't have a ton of size coming off their bench once you get past Tatum and Brown uh, and Horford and Williams. It's it's Cornette, it's it's Hauser, it's, it's like some guards, you know, Grant Williams, but they could do a little bit. They could have a little bit more there, but those are, those are championship caliber concerns. Can our guy shoot a little better? Can we get one small trade done? Can our guy get healthy? Uh, so I, I don't feel like I have the fewest questions. I have the fewest nerves. I think the, the thing I was saying about them having an easier path really speaks more to just how much better I think they are more than like insulting Philly or Brooklyn or, or Milwaukee. I just think the Celtics were already emerged last year got through the conference, and they're better. So unless another team catches them, they're, they're, they're a distant first for me right now. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Do you want to go to, let's go to Philly next, 32 and 16, second in the East, second best point differential, sixth in offense, fifth in net rating, seventh in defense. Brennan, here, here is just where I'm at. I am, I am in two different places, my head and my heart with Philly, okay? Number one, uh, in the in the head side, Harden and beat pick and roll. You can build an incredible offense that can get you through the playoffs with that. That that partnership is awesome offensively. They have eight an eight man rotation I really like. 
all of the numbers, this current run they're on, the 20 and 24 win, the 20 wins and 24 games run they're on right now, this indicates that they are a contender. I think Harden's having like kind of like honestly kind of an underrated season, which is like wild to say, but like he's having like a really good year. He is. Embiid is going to have like a playoff series and a playoff run at some point. He's too good not to like not have that probably. I would just, and like he's in his prime. Like this is a guy that like could just absolutely rip off like three, four rounds and like really carry a team in that way. I also just like really need to see them not like absolutely like fall apart before I'm just like I'm there. Like, I need to see them do it before I do it before they before like I believe it. Right. Like I need to see them not like like Harden like just didn't show up in the Heat series last year for the most part. I know Embiid's hurt and that changed that series. But like Harden can't do that again in the playoffs. Like in, if they're like if they end up as like the two seed, like two seed, maybe they get through round one. But if you get Milwaukee in round two, Harden kind of has to be really big. He has to be big in that series. The other thing that that would concern me, you know, if let's like depending on who they play, Boston would be this. I think Cleveland would kind of be a problem for them in this way. I think the Harden Maxi thing in the playoffs is going to be really interesting defensively. They're both small. Like Harden is not small, let's say. Maxi is small, he's going to get picked on. Harden is not a good defender. He's just not. He's never he's not going to be. That that's okay. Like he's that he is what he is. You can be really successful with James Harden. But like RT, like is that gonna like survive? Is that gonna hold up defensively enough, even with Embiid as, at the back, to kind of kind of cover up some of that stuff? I have some concerns with that. But like yeah. everything that stares us in the face right now with them, if you just took that in a vacuum, tells you this team is a legit contender, and you should absolutely take them seriously. I want to focus in on the the Maxi Harden thing first because I think that's probably the most interesting dynamic with this team right now. Maxi came back from his injury. Doc put him on the bench. Um, we know Tob- Tobias Harris has been, I don't want to say hit or miss, but underwhelming for what his Clippers days made us think he could be on a great team. And then what his contract indicates he maybe should be on a great team. Very, very, very good player, but we have questions there too. And so you have, you're stuck with these six guys, PJ Tucker being the last one. I just think I, I kind of look at it as a strength of theirs, to be mm. honest with you, because not to say having players with weaknesses is a strength, but having the ability to cover for it where they didn't in the past is a huge strength. Um, because I also think most of the guys in that six are going to not really have much of, a, of an ego about it, right? We know Harden and Embiid are going to be on the floor. I think Harris has gotten paid. He's been through this before. I don't think of him as a as a you know moody, temperamental player. If he ends up on the bench in one game, which maybe he won't because he actually has some size, but he, I don't think he would mind. Melton, I don't think he's high enough in the pecking order to have a problem. You know, Maxie's a rookie, but he's not. A, or, or he's on his rookie deal, but he's not about to be a free agent. So I don't think it's a huge con, a, a huge problem where he's like trying to get paid this summer. He's up for an extension, but it's not like he, he's about to be a free agent. And then PJ Tucker will do whatever you want him to do. Right. And so I just think six, they six have three the answer. PJ Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, put back dunk against the Nuggets, PJ Tucker, or put back layup at least um, in a key moment, which he's always good for crashing in from those corners. I just feel like they, they have answers that they hadn't had. This was a team in the past where you were looking at their rotation and you're like, I need what? I need how much from Furkan Korkmaz? You know, I need, I need what from, from Paul Reed. You know what I mean? I, I need what from Howell Neto. And now it's like, 
their rotation one to eight with Maxi Milton, Shake Milton, and George Niang off the bench. It's pretty reliable. They need another big. I would think Sixers fans hate Montrez Harrell, although I think they would hate whoever was the backup center. They just love to clown that person, whatever person it happens to be. Uh, but sure. other than that, I think they're good. And I really feel good about this team. I mean, they've won 20 of 24 games, which Embiid went ahead and reminded us of uh, after the Nuggets win. I like it, man. I, I do. Of course, you need to see it from Harden and Embiid. But like you said, Embiid's too good to keep to keep floundering. It's just been injuries, if we're really being honest. And unless you're counting yeah. on an injury, which feels silly, I just think he's going to do it. Yeah, my questions aren't about Joel Embiid. My questions are like ultimately about Harden and just like how defensively that backcourt kind of works. Like, I mean, but like I think Cleveland would be a really interesting case study of this because like if you were to like today, if you were to say these two teams are playing, which backcourt do you trust more defensively? Maxine Harden or, or Garland and Mitchell? It's Garland and Mitchell. And I don't think that's like really a question. Like the way Mitchell's played defense this year, I think Garland like is a little just a little bigger than Maxi and kind of will put up some fights. Like Harden sometimes just like he just takes defensive possessions off. And like you could see Maxi like absolutely kind of having like getting kind of attacked in that way. Like Boston is like a tough matchup for them in that sense, because like Brown and Tatum are going to kind of go at them over and over and over again in that sense. And that's why maybe Melton's like sneaky, not sneaky, but like vitally important for them just in terms of kind of helping you kind of navigate some of the things. Because that dude is an awesome defender who knows his role and is really tough and really gritty and in your face. And like that guy like is absolutely going to, I think, kill it as a defensive guard in the playoffs. Like I have no questions kind of about that. I'm curious to see if they start playing them. I, 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 they've done this a little bit recently and they haven't done it like a ton on the year, but like Harden, Maxi, Melton, Harris, um, and Bede as a five with through the three guards has played like under hundred possessions. Harden, Maxi, Melton, Harris, PJ Tucker at the five has played a hundred, almost 150 possessions. And the numbers on that are really good, really good offensively. Do you think, um, and, do you think Tucker just becomes their backup five in the playoffs? That feels like where this I, is heading. Yeah. Like we can talk yeah. about Harold, but I think Tucker's just the backup five and everyone's playing 40 plus minutes of their best players. Anyway, I think it's less Can't, of a problem I, this year because they have him. Depends. On, it depends on the, the matchups. I think a little bit like, like, I think you could probably, you're going to do that against Milwaukee. If you know, Giannis is at the five, I think you're probably doing like, I guess like, do you Portis. trust like, is yeah. Like, I think I think the answer is probably yes. I think depending on who you're yeah. playing for the most part and, and depending on if those other yeah. like if Boston skewed big against you, then like maybe you can't. I just want to see Philly yeah. in big play. Robert Williams issues. is a that good is one. Where, yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's really hard for BJ Tucker. And like that's maybe sure. not maximizing what, what Tucker is, especially because he's like kind of their like best option to like defend. Like you like because it's not like I like it's like what happens with Thibel and in the playoffs is like, I, I don't know, we can't shoot. And then Daniel House hasn't really worked out for them in a way to give you like another wing option. So it, it's like I think PG Tucker will be like very stretched defensively in the playoffs. I just want to see this team in a in a big series. I really do. Like that is this is maybe number one. If I had a list right now of like things I want to see how they unfold in the playoffs, like this is very much. I give me Philly in a big series and let's see how it goes and let's see let it's kind of put up or shut up time a little bit. Uh, we should move on to the Brooklyn Nets though, Brendan, because. I am also very confused by this team just based on yeah. the fact that it's maybe that's Ben Simmons centered. Maybe that's just you're hoping Durant is going to be healthy. Maybe let's see what kind of trades they make. But I mean, Katie was playing at an MVP level this year, and I know you feel very strongly about that. So where, where are you at on Brooklyn right now? I'm still high on Brooklyn. Um, I can't quit the Brooklyn Nets. 
to be honest with you. They're they're top 10 in both offense and defense, which has historically been, you know, it's almost a cliche to say at this point, but that is the indicator of a championship caliber team. We're, we're going to get to next a certain team in the Midwest that, that is not <laughs> even in the top 20 in one of those categories. And, and we'll talk about our concerns with them, but the Nets have been steady, man. I think, you know, since Steve Nash left and Kyrie got back on the court and, and just started playing basketball again, they've been, they've been, I mean, I don't want to say juggernaut, but like they've been very consistent. They had a little bit of a rut. I think they lost four or five in a row when KD first went down with the MCL sprain that he'll be back from. And, and at least sometime in February, it looks like. Um, and then really what I think, solidified it. I think they still need to trade for a big man. They yeah. just have to, they can't, it doesn't even matter. Like I'm not even insulting anything. It's just like depth. They just need another body there. Um, not that they haven't been able to make it work without him, but we're talking about the playoffs. You need to have answers for everything. Claxton can't be the only big man. What happens if he gets 3000 the first quarter against Joel Embiid? They need something, right? But what really solidified it for me was once Kyrie, and it was uh, kind of happened the game that I got to see them, which maybe it's part of why it's in my head so much, but they lost to the Suns a couple weeks ago, but that was the game where the switch really flipped and Kyrie started attacking. He started dishing the ball, just getting back into that drive and kick stuff that he was so good at in Cleveland and Boston. Um, his assists were crazy low earlier in the season to the point where it's like, is he just like a, you know, scoring? Like, is he just... I don't even know Gilbert Arenas now where it's like he barely passes and he just kind of chucks like I is he that is is he capable of being the old player we saw is he just doing this because KD is playing so well he's balanced out his game he's back up to uh, you know six or so assists per game career norms and he's been leading this team to wins without Kevin Durant which everyone decided they weren't going to be able to do because they had a bad week Kyrie on and KD off this year plus 6 per 100 possessions for Brooklyn last year. That was minus three. All right. And so I feel pretty good. If you can stagger those guys, get a little more depth at the deadline. This is a, a real team. Uh, I know I just made the case. Boston could still beat them. I probably still believe that, but these guys, I, I have them in the top four for sure. Who, who among the, the guys that they could flip, would you most, kind of be floating out there if you're to them like is it joe harris is it seth curry you know is it do you go is it radical when you go ben simmons like what 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 is the path no one wants ben simmons no i think (laughs) it's i think it's curry um because he's small and that's really it i think they have this identity now where um even yuto watanabe i i i might even feel better about having him on the court he's not as good of a shooter as seth curry very few human beings on the planet are but Curry is just such a liability, man. I mean, we saw it even in in Brooklyn, right? or I'm sorry, in Philadelphia, right? Where it's like, we talked about those question marks they've had in those playoff series in the years past with Philly. And Curry, even though he was a, a huge part of their offense, was a, a reason why. It was exploitable in a way that they aren't now. And I think Brooklyn would have to worry about that. I could see his minutes dwindling. I just think Harris, Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren, they have this system where that's part of why they can play so small is they play small, quote unquote, they don't have a traditional center on the floor, but they have size at every position outside of Kyrie. So I would be trading Curry. And I, and I think that that's probably where they will go. Um, and it's a perfect salary, right? Cause you can get one of those mid-level big man, Jakob Pertl. I don't know if he fits, but somebody like that with that type of matching salary. Someone should give you to Watanabe like an actual contract in the summer. I think he'll be a free agent again, just based on how he ended up in Brooklyn. But that dude's shooting almost fifty percent from three. He's good, and it's just like a, it's just like a good player. 
Just like a yep. good, bigger forward. Like a lot of teams could use that that kind of player. Has really like was in Memphis and on a two way, and then ended up in Toronto, and I was like really kind of blossoming in in Brooklyn. That's just like a, a Raptors good player, fans man. knew. They were they were yeah. like genuinely frustrated that Toronto let him go, and he's he's proving them right. He, he's a real player. I mean, I don't know if he's playing twenty minutes in the playoffs, but you could you could feel good if he's playing six which is sometimes all you really need in a postseason series. But yeah, I feel really good about the Nets. Are you lower on them? It seems like you are. No, I'm not. I just like the Ben Simmons thing just hangs over this in a way that is like maybe unfair to Ben Simmons, but it's just like, what does he look like in the playoffs? Like, is he going to be good Ben Simmons by then? Is he going to take free throws? Is he going to like attack the lane and transition and not give up the ball? Like, these are all things he needs to do. And like maybe Kevin Durant just overcomes that. Like that is entirely possible that Durant comes back and hit picks off where he was, picks up where he left off, and absolutely cooks. I just like really kind of feel like like so much like Ben Simmons is going to be under scrutiny in the playoffs. They're going to need him to show up and do positive things and put up good numbers and and not like be terrified of getting fouled. Yeah, he was pretty good against Philly, and now he's injured again. So. Uh, it's, it's a valid concern. He's out of the lineup again. The, that game I talked about in Phoenix where Kyrie took over and helped bring them back and, and kind of turn things around for what their offense was going to look like. Ben got ejected and Jock Vaughn went at him post game. So that problem is not solved. You're, you're completely right. Um, yeah. Can we go on to the, well, the team that well, I was, well, well, that I was, yeah. Well, one last thing about Brooklyn. Jock, two things real quick. Jock Vaughn has done yeah. an incredible job. Should be the yeah. coach of the year discussion. Also sure. think that if they, if it comes down to it, you could probably just sit Ben Simmons. That's not optimal considering his salary and all of that stuff. But hey. like you, like just go Kyrie, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Nick Claxton if you really need to. And you know what? Sure. That 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 says a lot about where Ben Simmons is at. But like you might just do that and might be more competitive in if you really need to. Uh, but yeah, let's go to the Milwaukee Bucks who are uh super weird. Like all these teams are kind of weird. And I keep saying that, but this might be the weirdest one based on just like what their numbers kind of say about them for the, for the course of the year. Yeah, they're they're 32 and 17. They're third in the East plus 1.7 point differential, which is actually fifth in the conference. So how much they're outscoring their opponent by night tonight indicates they're a little worse than their record. And then the weirdest part is they have a top two defense and a bottom 10 offense. So that evens out to being eighth in that rating. It's kind of like what the Hawks did a few years ago when they made the conference finals where they had a top 10 offense and a bottom 10 defense. Different, you flip the two sides of the court. But that's what we're looking at with Milwaukee to indicate the weirdness that you were just getting at, Chris. And I don't know, man. I, I Chris Middleton is probably, I think, where this conversation needs to go, right? Because yeah. like you said, last year, they were pretty good in that Boston series without him. It took a alien performance like a superhero they need to make a movie about what Giannis did uh just to just to take that series to seven and he ran out of gas and Boston blew them out in game seven uh but still they need Middleton right you can't count on that you can't count on that for multiple playoff series they only you know made it to the second round that wasn't even a conference finals we're talking about with that Middleton was amazing for them against the Suns in the finals it's not going to happen without him and he's had a crazy season he he came back way late in the year off of the injury and then i believe his he had a family member pass away i believe a parent pass away uh, according to some buck stuff that i was reading and that can take a toll he's he it's it's almost not even worth looking at his stats right now he's only played 10 games and 
His shooting percentage is in the 30s. He's just not back, and and we're about to be in February. I don't know what to do with that, and if they don't have him, I don't feel good about them. I would not have them in the top four. No, like this is this is a vulnerable team with with him at this version of himself if he can't stay healthy. And I, I think you you have this in our notes. This is one of the most important players in the NBA the next six months. This is absolutely a guy that you know, not uh, the one of the uber uber superstars that maybe like he's not the next guy. We're really looking like if you're fantasizing about who could be the next guy to ask out and command you know the the truckload of picks. This isn't that, but this is a guy that is either the second or third best player behind a team that won a title not that long ago that is playing with one of the two to three best players in the league that has a $40 million player option for next summer that he's maybe going to decline because he's going to be 32 in the summer. And this is probably his last kind of big payday and they need him. They need him right now to make a run. They absolutely do. I think there's a, this is a, another trade team to Grayson Allen and whatever you can do to go get something else and, and just kind of give yourself a little more juice. I think you can feel this team a little bit offensively with, you know, Giannis sometimes. Like when I've seen him in person a couple of times this year, it's so much of like him just trying to barrel into the lane and create stuff. Like you miss Middleton as kind of the pressure valve release for him in a lot of ways and being that guy. Drew can be that guy as well, but Drew Holiday also has a little chaos in him in a way Middleton does not. A and little. Middleton, middle, <laughs> a little. Yeah. I, I say this as like a, I love Drew Holiday guy, but like you go back to, you know this. I oh, think I you, love you're Drew in the Holiday. building. But like the 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 lobby through to Giannis against the Suns in the finals is one of the craziest plays in NBA history. It is an insane like he could have just got the layup and he's like like just just doing that is like quintessential Drew Holiday stuff. Middleton is the opposite that he is patient. He is calculated. He gets his shots off in the mid range. Yeah. The, the offense, they function better with him and without him. It's just like so much is dependent on Giannis. So much is it's dependent on on Drew and. Like, I love the Joe Ingles pickup for them. I think Ingles has looked pretty good. You know, Connaughton's a really good player for them. They have a lot of guys I like. It's just without Chris, this he is like the connective tissue to all this kind of feeling like a real title contender again. Yeah, Middleton, you know, the the Middleton Giannis pick and roll is pretty much unguardable um, when when they're both at, at peak form. He can operate at the elbow in isolation and, and Giannis can be in the dunker spot, get some easy buckets that way. It just makes... Giannis's life easier in really specific ways like we say that a lot with like oh if if the team was healthier the superstar would have an easy time like well yeah of course but in this case they really work well together that's the point of having played as long as they have together they need a three and D wing as well I think aside from Middleton Chris they really seem in on Crowder if I had to to put money on where Jay Crowder ends up after his season-long hiatus from uh, my my city he will end up in Milwaukee and that would really help them. I feel like that would complete their rotation. We talked about some of their trade possibilities on the on the first show we did. Whatever they get, that would go a long way. I think they really only need one more piece, but I say that assuming Middleton comes back. And if he doesn't, as you said about his importance the next six months, he has a player option this summer. And I would expect with his age, he's older than you think, he would decline that and look for a new contract. He'd be unrestricted. Milwaukee probably starts to think about what their future looks like. I don't think they necessarily get rid of him or don't try to re-sign him, but you never know uh, based on how this postseason goes. So they're in a pretty precarious spot. I I don't know if they have a lot to do with the deadline to really change their fortunes. It's kind of just cross your fingers for them. We know they can do it if they're they're at full health, but will they get there? I think that's right. Let's end, Brendan, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Fifth in the East, 30 and 21. 
Second best point differential in the East. They are fourth in defense, 12th in offense, 14th in net rating. I talk about this team a lot. I host Locked on Cavs. Like, I, I, I have said yeah, a lot about no this team. Yeah, there's no buzzer today. By the way, there's no I'm buzzer. giving you a pass because yeah. we're talking about the East, so you're fine. Okay, cool. That, this is a win for me. But, Brent, I want to ask you first. What What do you just make of where this team is at? Like, I tend to think this team, it's, this is not the year where, like, the expectations are going to be at their highest. This feels a little bit early for everything kind of on the table for them. They're, they're wings short. But what do you just make of this team compared to the other four teams we've talked about? It's just experience, I think. Um, that might sound like rudimentary <laughs> or something, but it just, it's just true. The NBA playoffs. I mean, I think most playoffs, although I, I do think basketball with every player you hear, I mean, I, I got to cover a team that somehow made the finals the first time they made the playoffs in the suns, which is an insane thing to have happen. It's very rare. COVID probably played a part. Um, you just need that first or even sometimes two cracks before you really get in. I mean, it's the thunder, right? With the Lakers in 2010, it's uh, the Pacers losing to the Derrick Rose Bulls in their first go round. It's the Raptors getting brutalized by LeBron James. And then finally guys like Lowry and everyone able to step up next to Kawhi when they, when they get their chance, it's, it just, you need that. And so really that's all it is to me. I I think if they can get a shooter at the deadline, some, a, a wing shooter, I feel pretty good about their team. I think that they could easily make the, the the second or third round. Maybe not easily. They could make the second or third round. I just think guys like Mobley, guys like Garland, I, I get nervous about if they get cold, if they start to make mistakes, a Mobley foul trouble game, Garland getting sw- you know switched down to the perimeter and you know, maybe his three goes cold, maybe a high turnover game, although that's unusual for him. Like I just could see enough of those stack up where if you're telling me, can they win four of seven against Brooklyn or Boston or any of these teams? uh, That's where I get nervous. I think they're going to be good. They're going to put up a fight, but can they get across the line now? I'm not so positive. So I think it of, of these teams, they're one of the, like Milwaukee, I feel like they could probably survive if they're in four or five. I think like I Boston's not gonna up there, but they would like be fine. This is one of the teams that I feel really would really benefit from getting into the top three and, and avoiding like 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 avoiding like just a, a a absolutely brutal first row matchup. I think like that's probably where this feels like it ends up. They you know, lately they've they've kind of fallen a little bit behind. It feels like maybe like we end up with like Cavs nets in round one, which is like a really, really tough series and will absolutely push them in really interesting ways. Uh, just in terms of like the defensive side of it, you know, how do you defend someone like Kevin Durant? Is that the series where Mobley just like takes on on that assignment for a lot of the time, and and it would be really interesting. But like they would be a team that if they could get up to like three, and like you know you get, you know, not that the Heat are easy, but you get Miami in round one instead of Philly or Brooklyn, or you get up to like if you could somehow end up at like two, and you could get Atlanta or like the Knicks in round one. Those are like teams that have some threatening qualities, but like you would feel much better about your chances of getting out of round one to kind of kind of navigate some of that. And I think you're right that they could use it. One of the, I think the way that last season ended for them in the losing two games in the playing tournament and Garland having to really create everything and just not like feeling like everything was there. It's like, you could just tell that this team still needed to grow up. And I feel that I feel that watching them this year, I feel like there are times where you're still feeling like an incomplete roster. I think Mobley of late is having like a real ascension in a way that is really, really encouraging, but they're a wing short. I think like you're you're getting good minutes out of a Coro now. Like you're getting, 
you know, Rubio's back and all that's fine. Like, I am curious to see what kind of deals they might make, how aggressive they will be. They can't trade a first-round pick because obviously they went out and got Donovan Mitchell, which, like, worth it. But th- there are some... There, I'm curious to see how they approach the deadline. And, it, and to go back to the beginning of the year with this team, the thing that would... You know this, people, like, probably know this. Media day is not always the most interesting, t- interesting time to hear people talk. There's, sometimes no one says anything of note or you get a couple, only a couple of sound bites kind of worth that make you think and, and go report on things in other ways or whatever. Kobe Altman kind of went out of his way, the Cavs president of basketball operations, to be like, this isn't just like a this year or bust thing. It's like we clearly kind of view this as like a runway thing. Yeah. I think that's right. But I also like, you know, what is that? How does, what does Mitchell feel about that? What, what is like the player kind of feeling on that? And then how, what is the, what do they take from this year? When does it become like, okay, you got to kind of, maximize what this is um is is there brendan like a trade they could we did the fake i did the fake trade with them um where they get i think it was like mcdermott and and richardson or and i think josh hart makes sense for them like there's guys they've been linked to that make some sense to fill up some needs there's probably not a perfect fit but is there even like a trade they could make realistically that feels like oh like this would kind of like make me feel more optimistic about them getting to the second round i really like the sadiq bay fit personally um especially because he is a little younger. I mean, he's he's going to turn 24 this year. He's shooting 34% from deep this year, was 35 last year, but on a high volume, bad team. I feel like he's a pretty good shooter. That that would feel good to me. You could potentially extend him, but I think you're right. They have that. It happens with a lot of these teams. The first year after the big trade, your roster is just in a weird spot, right? You don't have exactly the pieces that you want because you didn't have a chance to do any of the other stuff you did you did the move and then you you start out with that roster right and i think that's a little bit of what they're facing and i i also just like mitchell defensively garland defensively they're better than people would think if you actually watch but yep they're still small right they're still small and so if it's milwaukee or some of these other big teams i i would worry um yeah, man, I, I think I think this year will be a little bit like Memphis last year for them, where they're they're more competitive and in some cases, you know, dominant in games where you're not going to expect it. But in the end, I, I just I don't know if they have quite enough. And I think you'll see some rough around the edges from the young players. And I probably would have them outside of the final four right now. Um well, I guess they only have to make the second round, and that would be a pretty disappointing year to not make the second round. But that's maybe the that's bottom the of the thing. final four. That's the thing. That is the thing. If them not them not getting out of the first round, I think will feel like a disappointment, even if that feels like kind of unfair considering that the talent pool in the East. I think we have to we have to put it in to a prediction now. Um, Boy, is that fair? I mean, do, are there any other teams outside the actual? top five in the conference that you think could could be in this conversation or the the, the only is one is the just, miami to just put the it, only okay miami. The, the only ones just because like look i th- i don't know what kind of trade they make i don't like this team is streaky and been up and down and like it's like kind of like just but like bam's awesome he's playing at a really really high level i just like i watched them play the the end of uh the orlando game the other night and it's like jimmy butler's that dude jimmy butler is just like built for those kind of things and i know he cultures a cliche and like all this stuff and blah 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 i would be like jimmy butler like in a first round series if you're cleveland or any of these teams is just like the last kind of team i feel like i'd want to place because that dude is so competitive he is going to get to the line a bunch he's going to play awesome defense 
like if they're healthy and he's right and all that stuff and like maybe there's a trade again they make and and you have to do with bam like that is the team that i feel like would be most equipped in like a three six kind of thing and sneakily brendan they're only a game and a half behind cleveland right now as of, as we're recording this and those two teams play tuesday night in cleveland we'll see what that game looks like the Cavs have been much better at home by like a significant margin they're coming off of uh, before we record this, they're playing the Clippers right after we record this, and then they've been on a little road trip of late. But they get the Heat at home on Tuesday in a game that will have some some stakes and some feel to it. It's a big game for Cleveland. I think they really need it. And if they lose it, the Heat are kind of inching closer into like into the fifth seed range, and it's just like, ah, oh yeah, here's Jimmy Butler, here's Eric Spolstra. Deal with them in the playoffs. That's always just going to be kind of a thing you that is on the back of my mind just because of of Jimmy and, and Spo and, and what that organization just kind of does. Yeah. To your point about the Cavs getting to the top of the conference too, uh, which, which you said a second ago, they're 20 and five at home and they're 10 of si- 10 and 16 on the road. Right. And so yep. that, that, that disparity, it, you know, sitting at five, even getting to four, I feel like you'd feel a lot better, right. Even just being able to host the five seed and, and have four of those seven games at home would be a, a pretty big difference based on how they've played and young players like to play at home. Right. So the only other team I'd throw in there that we have to talk about, and, and this is just kind of the next team in the standings, but I, I really do mean it, is the New York Knicks. Like, I don't think I'm not going to put money on them beating, you know, the Sixers in the first round, which would melt right. down the internet, I think. But Julius Randle's been playing like a monster lately. He's back into the phase where he just makes all of his jumpers, which happens periodically with him. And that team has a better point differential than the Heat and than the Bucks. So... They seem to have settled on a rotation if Mitchell Robinson can get healthy by the end of the year and they can um, sort some things out about who plays and, and who, who they play with, with those young guys. They are a team. Like they, They've been a bunch of players together for a while, but I think Brunson coming in and, and Randall settling down and some of those young guys taking steps, they feel like a team when you watch them and they've won some close games. They've, they've been able to, to beat good teams lately, so I would have them there, but uh, they're not going to be in my final four, but I, we can't not mention them with those stats. The, the, the stats don't lie. They're, they're kind of right there in the middle of all of it. Yeah. Have beaten Cleveland twice this year for what that's worth. Uh, I mean, th- Toronto is also Toronto would have been like the team that would have been like fun for this, but the Raptors just aren't good. And we should just like, they should go and back. They, might and trade all first players. they should go yeah. back and listen to our episode about that and like trade some players. All right, Brandon, if you're going to make me do predictions, yeah, if you're going to make me do I this, am. Boston's a lock. Do we agree on that? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go Bucks as my second lock. Okay. I just, it's just a Giannis thing, man. And like, yeah. I just like feel like I'm going to go Bucks and I, I could be very weird about that, but like, okay. Um, oh man. I'm going to go Philly three. Because they're just playing so well right now, and that leaves us Cleveland and Brooklyn for me at least. Do you have do you have Philly in as well? Yes, Philly and uh, Boston are are locks for me. I think. Okay, I'm gonna be a homer. I'm gonna pick the Cavs to get out of the first round. That means Brooklyn doesn't. But I'm gonna go Cleveland. I I I think Garland and Mitchell are gonna be so good in the playoffs, and I think their defense is gonna be just like really built for that. And I'm so I'm gonna go Cleveland. Do I feel good about it? No. Do I trying to just not get yelled at on Twitter by like the people, <laughs> the vast majority? Like, yeah, probably. But I'm we gonna I'm gonna go the Cavs. One. That's okay. 
I mean, look, we have a certain friend of the program who uh, works for for Den of Geek who's going to listen to this and like absolutely read me out in a text, but that's fine. No, um, I, I mean, you like you said, I, I've been texting you all year, even in the lead up to the launch of this show, how much I'm all in on Brooklyn. So if that if that four or five matchup actually happens, I very well might. Uh, we might need to make a bet of some sort on that because it, it, it just add to the stakes because it'll be me versus you for sure. I love Kevin Durant. And that team looks. I like. I just said. I I buy that team completely. So if they play, uh, it'll be it'll be fun for us. I hope it happens. Can I? Can I? Let's end on this. If I were to tell you the Cavs are going to be in four or five, but they get to pick the team they are most likely to beat in round one, who is that team? Can I? Can I? Because two weeks ago yeah, I had that, this conversation. I had this conversation they need a to couple get to weeks three. ago. I agree with you. <laughs> that that yeah. is where I'm at. That is like my official take, but I was talking to um, uh, someone in the Cavs media sphere a couple weeks ago about this question, and our answer at the time was Philly because of the the Harden Maxi thing that I that we talked about earlier. And I don't really mm-hmm. think that's like the wrong impulse, as crazy as that sounds, and as good as Philly has been. But that is almost still where my head goes. But, I'm tempted you know. to say Milwaukee, but that feels like such a stupid thing to say. Giannis is to me the best player in the NBA. He's he's joining us for the podcast right behind me. I feel like he's. <sighs> A monster, um, and it would be crazy to say, yeah, Evan Mobley will contain him. That that's what that's well, what I, I'm picking to happen. Uh, yeah, uh, the first time Evan Mobley's ever tasted the playoffs, he will shut down, you know, a a, a league a legend of the game. But it, yeah. it might happen if they don't have enough around Giannis. Uh, crazier things could if, happen. If I'll Middle- do my predictions. If yeah. Middleton's not healthy, that that is that would be the one I would pick. But if he's healthy, then I'm just like, sure. I, are we sure about this? Yeah, okay. But you're are you? Sure. I think I know sure. where your prediction going. But what gives your officials? Yeah, I'm going to go, it, it's, it, it ends up being chalk. I really wanted to not pick the Bucks, but I don't want to feel stupid in four months when we revisit this. And uh, I just picked against Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't want to be the person who does that. So yeah, I'm going Celtics, Sixers, Bucks, Nets. Um, we'll revisit this though, because I could see myself getting talked into the Cavs or the Knicks even, um, or the Heat depending on what they do at the deadline. This is this this is a seven-team conference, is is the way that I would really put it. And I, I don't feel like between injuries and everything else that this is locked into place at all. I think I'd ha- I have some more work to do in the Knicks than you seem to do. I just don't totally buy like that full team of what that is in, in, in a series. But um, I mean, we've watch seen them. like we've they're, seen. I mean, they're, they're good. I, I, I watch them. I think they're good. I just like it's like Randall in the playoffs a couple years ago was rough was rough yeah yep and brunson's awesome and like he was awesome with dallas in the playoffs but i them upsetting any of these teams above them i think would be kind of surprising we would never hear the end of it can you imagine the knicks upsetting like the nets or the sixers knicks fans would be the best summer of their lives we get we we'd get we, a part we, two to bing bong we, it would just be it would be ecstasy for nba fans that, that well, a certain selection of of NBA fans. Not, I think a lot of us would be like, "Are we okay? Are we doing this?" Uh, James Dolan. I, I did. I, James Dolan would be like, "Get maybe." Does James Dolan get to play like a, a parade with his band, like the Street Shooters? If if that happens, I, I they don't didn't know. get I would, to like, do anything like that because the first time they made it to the second round a couple of years ago, there was a pandemic. So uh, who knows how much celebration would happen? I think he would. Uh, he would. He'd be all in if he can perform. He's he's probably going to be there, but. This was fun, and I think we should definitely do another show predicting this like right in the lead-up to the playoffs and frame it yes. this way just so we can look back on what we said this time um, Yeah, and, and how different it looks in, I mean, what? We're only like two and a half months away. 
Yeah, and look, we got to do it for the West as well, so that, that'll be fun. Uh, I think the West is a little more cloudy. I mean, the freaking Sacramento Kings are the, the third seed in the West right now, so, like, you know, we're, we're in some weird times with the Western Conference at the current moment based on just, just the track record of some of these teams. Uh, God, we're going to talk about the Lakers again, which is really unfortunate because we were like our whole office, like our whole thing coming in was just like, OK, we're not going to talk about the Lakers endlessly in like two episodes. We're two for two well, now. They're they're earning it. That'll be Wednesday, maybe. Right. Yeah, I think that'll be Wednesday and we'll react to some of the, the games that happen between now and then as well. Any trade rumors that come up? It is it is trade slop season. We're like a week away from the deadline. So, you know, we're going to get we're going to get some more. Find out how many like how many bajillion picks the Wizards it would take to get Kyle Kuzma out of Washington. That, that's what I'm looking for. But thanks again, everyone, for listening. Please go subscribe, rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. If you have not already, please subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube. Follow us at Just B-Ball Fans on TikTok. Follow us at Just Basketball Show on Instagram. Follow us at Just B-Ball Show on Twitter. I'm Chris Manning. That's Brennan Clean. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing this one back at you on Wednesday.